buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, Sacramento, California-based filmmaking company that I run and operate. Um, just finishing up uh, editing on two films right now. Uh, Lady Hyde is has a rough cut and uh, working on editing Emmanuel in Sin City. It's funny, I started off a little bit uh, gung-ho and uh, a little bit slowing down, but uh, being steady and getting work done. But I uh, kind of thought I'd do a little more, but we'll, we'll still see. We, we have time. But uh, yeah, it's amazing that Franco could do 14 films a year. But then he never really edited his films either. He handed them off. So I am editing and doing everything else, all the post-production, sound, music, all that stuff. So, you know, it takes more time. So I'm giving myself that. But anyways... Uh, this is episode 51 and film 51, The Lustful Amazon. This is another one of the quick films that he made. Um, this one was made uh, right after um, The Mystery of the Red Castle, which was a unreleased, uh, I guess, finished film. Um, one day I'm going to do a episode on just the unreleased films put together. I know we did one on the Mandinga, but... Um, that one was completed, but th- we all remember that story behind that. But yeah, the director count is perverse in that. So he does um, these next two films back to back. This and the Machiste film, so uh, which is number fifty-two. But this one is episode fifty-one, film fifty-one, the lustful Amazon. This is a uh, France production, nineteen seventy-three, and the original theatrical title in country of origin is Machiste contre le René. De Amazons, the French title, uh, Machise against the Queen of the Amazons. And once again, we get our information from Murderous Passions, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1, by Stephen Thrower, available at Amazon and all your favorite bookstores. Uh, let's see. A alternate titles, Le Amazon de la Luxury, French alternative theatrical title, uh, Amazons of Lust, also called Machiste in the Hands of the Naked Amazon. Uh, Belgium, I believe, alternate theatrical title, Machise Mons de Amazon News. Uh, Italian theatrical, Carzan against the topless woman, women, Carzan contro le donna del sino nudo. Um, the Turkish theatrical against the Amazons, Amazaria Corsi. Uh, Italian theatrical, Turkish title, The Insatiable Monster in Love, Aska Doyamayan Canavar. Uh, German theatrical, Let the Girl Be Loved. Awesome. Germans always have an interesting view of it. I love it. German theatrical, Let the Girls Be Loved. Maxchen die, or let's see, Maxchen die Psych Leiben lassen. And then we have uh, Belgian video, Lascivious Amazons, the Wolpus Amazonians, and then Wolpus Amazonians, the Netherlands, Lush, Lavacious Amazons. Uh, Amazonians, Netherlands, Converged Title, uh, Yucca, also called Amazon Women, Lustful Amazons, and Lustful Amazons. Guys, a lot of titles, a lot of places it was released, too. Yeah, it seems like they always push the Amazon angle, because most of these, and the Machis on some, uh, France went with the Machis, which is a character like Hercules or Samson, uh, the Italians, uh, Peplum, Sword and Sandal Films character, but a lot of the other ones just go with the Amazon angle and don't really mention the Machis deal. Um, they call them Carzan instead of Machis. Um, and the other one's just all, you know, naked Amazon, topless women against the Amazon, uh, 
you know, luscious, vivacious, all that, except for the German, which is let the girls be loved. Let the girl be loved. Uh, okay, so we have the production company again, since this is Die Nacelle production, it's Comptoir Francois de Film Production, Paris. Uh, of course, the theatrical distributor is the same, Comptoir Francois de Film Production. And the uh, London uh, theatrical, when it was played there, was uh, Chinchetta Film Distributors. And let's see, timeline on this, shooting June of 1973. Uh, UK came out, and uh, actually the X certificate issued, and of course it played other things. Um, February of 74, and then France, it played March 20th, 74. Uh, French visa issued March 29th, 74. UK played circa July 1974. And finally, Florence, Italy, uh, October 14th, 1976. Um, theatrical running time, France, 70 minutes, slash 74 minutes. And UK running time, 61 minutes, slash 64 minutes, somewhere around there. So, Okay, cast, uh, Walt Davis, uh, again, um, as Machis and Carzan. Actually, I think this is his first film with him. Um, and then we have uh, Alice Arno, um, Arminda, uh, Queen of the Amazon, Mighty Alice Arno again. She's the queen, of course, in this. See, since she's always like the strongest, she's like always the the lead and the queen. She was the uh, Countess Zarkov in the last one and this one, and and she's always just the toughest. So, uh, and I always admire power. So yeah, she's awesome. Anyway, she's Arminda, Queen of the Amazons in this. It's a great title for her. Uh, Robert Woods, of course, is great as Pygar or Pindar. Uh, Kali Hansa is is finally not called Kali in a film. She's now. Toria, the Queen's handmaiden. Well, she could have been Kali, the Queen's handmaiden. Um, Montessit Prowse returns, but now she's Monty Prowse, and she plays Lucia slash Lizia, daughter of the old sorceress. So yeah, she took a break there and had the other lady step in and looked like her. And um, I don't see her on here. Yeah, so she's not in the film. So yeah, so Montres came back and uh, returned to her right position on the cast. So she was had a change of heart after those last few films. Uh, Lena Romay uh, returns now and moving up production as um, Yuka Yuka the, prin- the, the, the priestess and she's, she's good in this part. Uh, Chantel Brocois as Marcia and Robert Sarbib credit on screen but not visible in any prints. Uh, credits uh, director Jess Franco screenplay and adaptation Jess Franco director of photography Gerard Besson Editor uh, Gerard Kekoin, uh, music Robert Vigor, uh, presenter uh, Robert Dinesel, producer. Uh, continuity Simone Lejean, uh, still photographer Howard Vernon as Mario Lippert. Now, see, that's what I thought was cool because Howard Vernon's in the next film, Film 52, um, Les Cluzonis, but he's not in this one. But since these are back to back, he's just still around. So he actually was the still photographer and, of course, didn't take credit, credited the great Mario Lippert. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, assistant editor, Patrick DeConnect. And, of course, uh, Filmstock, East Kodak, all that jazz. Um, so, okay, so, production notes. Here we go. June 1973 saw Jess Franco embark on a three-month stint of shooting on the island of Madeira, beginning with a brace of adventure films, The Lustful Amazons and La Placite Erat de Machis de Elantis. Elantitit. Although they're among the cheapest and quickest productions of the period, everyone involved is clearly having a ball making them, breaking in the essential silliness of the notion that these are peplums in the tradition of the Italian muscle-man epics. Um, Lustful Amazons is hilarious enough, though 
fractionally more conventional while um, oh I'm just going to do the short version and call them um, um, the lustful Amazons and then uh, Machiste for the next one um, or actually Les Glutonis I'll call for the next one so um, see where we at while Le uh, Glutonis is further out with a genuinely dislocated aura of mystery that somehow transcends the cheap jack technical credits. The two films are among Franco's daftest and most delirious efforts and will guarantee you a black eye if you recommend them to outsiders, but for Franco obsessives who enjoy tracking the spore of his mad creativity wherever it may lead, they're both rather wonderful. Amen. Alright, review. By the time Jess Franco essayed the bizarre machiste film in the summer of 1973, the bustling epic, or peplum, had been out of fashion for nearly a decade. An Italian phenomenon that swept across Europe in the 60s, the peplum offered bulging muscle, heroic deeds, slinky femme fatales, and a thrilling admixture of myth, history, and comic strip. Machiste and his brothers in heaven, Samson, Goliath, and Hercules, bestrode the Italian cinema between 1959 and 1965, attracting huge popular audiences and providing material for such diverse filmmaking talents as Mario Bava, Riccardo Freda, Vittorio Conafavi, Sergio Corbucci, Umberto Lenzi, and Giorgio Ferroni. Then, as suddenly as it had begun, the muscle man boom died to be replaced by the late 60s super spy craze, the turn of the century, turn of the 70s giallo boom, the hard-boiled crime thrillers of the mid-70s, and the zombie cannibal gut-munchers of the early 80s. That sounds about right. Uh, such is the way of the commercial Italian cinema, in which popular forms are driven to their limit before being abandoned like so much junk. Yeah, just ride them until they die and move on. That's what basically they do. So, why did producer... Robert E. Nessel, stump up the cash for Jess Franco to revisit such a moribund genre. The key is that the key is in the title, not Machiste, but Amazons. Luscious, dominant women in their primal habitat, turning man-mountain Machiste into their helpless love slave. This is the sales pitch made that made Dina Sell's eyes roll back and his checkbook pop out. I would love to have seen his face when he viewed the results. On paper, it sounds like a sizzling, erotic experience. On film, though, the camera of Jess Franco is just a weird, dislocated, semi-comprehensible hoot. I'm personally glad that Franco bamboozled Dinesel into bankrolling this film, as the perversity of the project is its greatest charm. His take on Machise is an extraordinary comic coda to the muscle man phenomena. Basically, the testosterone mightiness one expects from the peplum is nowhere to be found. Anyone excited by this prospect of some Spanish he-man bestriding ancient lads like a muscle-bound colossus must prepare themselves instead for a flouncy, floppy-shirted version of the cinema icon, who looks more like a vacationing romantic poet than a tower of masculine power. Machise is played by the likable but hardly butch actor Walt Davis in the style of a gentle renaissance explorer, wandering the earth in search of interesting tales and new ideas. Frankly, you wouldn't turn to him for help in a bar brawl, never mind a war with the barbarian hordes or a fight to the death with a giant eagle. The only gargantuan feature of the film is its implausibility. Franco doesn't give a damn for realism. That much is clear from the jungle hangout of the Amazon tribe, a woodland vacation resort complete with a 
log huts so efficiently constructed one might expect to see the IKEA logo stamped on them. His poker-faced willingness to insist upon an illusion that stands not a chance of fooling anybody is one of his most endearing traits. The film is so wackily unconvincing it feels like it was done for a bet. There's an air of fun about it during the bizarre scene in which Machis communicates with the Amazon tribeswoman by whistling you could see Walt Davis grinning at the absurdity. No one takes the proceedings remotely serious, least of all Robert Woods, who mugs shamelessly. At one point, fulfilling the politically incorrect requirements of lesbian erotica aimed at men, Franco shows two Amazonians having a cat fight. Woods jumps in and screws them, quipping, That's better, huh? In any other context, it would seem the height of crassness. Here, you simply roll your eyes and laugh. Getting angry with this film is like causing a stink because a toddler threw jelly at a child's tea party. The highlight of the film is a five-minute sequence in which Machis' legendary strength and stamina are put to the ultimate test. Alice Arno, as the imperious Amazon, Amazonian queen, decrees that Machis should impregnate the entire tribe and a queue of eager women take turns straddling him until the captured hero is driven half-insane with pleasure and exhaustion. Accompanied by frantic music whipping up the mood of sexual provocation, this priceless scene delivers what all those straight-faced Italian encounters between Machis and various women of the moon or queens of Moloch hinted at but never provided. The chance to see insatiable females take their pleasure with the greatest man who ever lived. However, it must be that said that the erotic charge would have been just a tad more intense if the hero had been a genuine muscle man. Poor Walt Davis looks as though he's been drained after five minutes with a dirty video, never mind an entire tribe of Amazonian lovelies. But wait, there's more. We still haven't discussed the campiest machiste moment ever conceived, in which our champion challenges Queen Armenia to a fight to the death. The ensuing battle between the mightiest man in the world, nude, with his thoroughly average penis dangling in the breeze, and a warrior queen who can't even unsheathe her, knight without a her knife without a struggle, is truly unforgettable. As Davis and Arno circle warily, trying to knock each other each other over as painlessly as possible, they fight swiftly deteriorates into bathos. The queen punches Machis ineffectively in the chest while he flexes his mediocre pecs and grins like a smug ten-year-old. Queen Armin defines, falls to the ground in defeat and Machis reclaims his pride by screwing her in front of the handmaidens before beating his scrawny chest into his fist and skipping off into the forest. A timeless man of myth, perhaps ever so slightly reduced in our eyes and a whole lot lighter in the balls. <laughs> nice. Alright, this is pretty cool. I talk about this later on uh, in the episode with um, Kali, but... Um, we didn't know this before. Some cool to learn as you learn about the Franco universe. Cast and crew: Walt Davis. So Walt Davis' real name was Waldemir Wolfhart, was a playboy from Stuttgart, whose first claim to fame of a sort came at the end of the 1960s when he was accused of being a mass murderer, the highway serial killer or highway vampire by the West German tabloids. He was caught by Spanish police officers in Alicante, Spain, but during his trial was cleared of all suspicion and received 50,000 Deutsche Marks compensation from the press. 
However, he was subsequently rearranged on a charge of being a pimp, and this time found himself in jail for a couple of months. Upon his release in 1970, and with the remaining compensation money, he started a film production company and produced The Horrible Sexy Vampire, a.k.a. El Vampiro de la Autopsia, with his fiancée, actress Ada Talur. Wolf Hart took the starring role as the highway vampire, a certain Count Oblinsky, and the film was partially shot at the actual locations in Germany where the killings took place. Three years later, both he and Ada Teller wound up in the orbit of Jess Franco. Wolfhart appeared in the director's back-to-back brace of Machis films, and both he and Teller took roles in the next Franco film in line, The Other Side of the Mirror. The two of them also popped up four years later in the women in prison film Love Camp, directed by Franco for Swiss producer Erwin Dietrich. Music, composed mainly of generic cues for tribal drums, bongos, vibraphone, and marimba, with the occasional thumb piano. This is not one of Franco's more interesting soundtracks. The only standout piece is the one which accompanies Machis' gang rape, featuring a demented three-note pattern played insistently at ridiculous speed over Walt Davis's absurd facial contortions locations shot in some bushes on the island of Madeira. Due to its absence of recognizable architecture, landmarks, or coastline, it's impossible to be more precise. UK release. Uh, as the Lustful Amazons, this received an X certificate from the BBFC on February 25, 1974. By August 74, the film was in circulation in British sex cinemas, distributed by Cinchetta, who subsequently teamed it with an earlier Franco title, The Demons, on a double bill at venues such as Birmingham's Cinemaphone in February 1975. Note, although submitted to the BBFC as The Lustful Amazons, the film was referred to in a feature in the Continental Film Review as Lustful Amazons. Okay. Uh, connections. Robert Wood's character, Pygar, takes his name from John Philip Law's iconic angel in Barbarella. Uh, Pygar and Yucca, Yucca, his Amazon floozy, Lena Romay, try to steal the tribe's treasure only to be skewered by Queen Arminda, played by Alice Arno, wielding a bow and arrow, echoing her role as Countess Zaroff in Countess Perverse. Somewhere in the depths of the forest and the conforting darkness is Machis' attack by a werewolf. Uh, could it be Candy, the same actor who turns up unexpectedly in Dracula, Prisoner Frankenstein? Or it could be the werewolf in um, Two Female Spies. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, other versions. I'm currently unaware of any significant variants. The Italian version is likely to be the same as the original French theatrical. Uh, it exists today thanks to a complete couple of blurry VHS releases from the 80s, which is how I saw it. Appearing on video shelves as Yucca in France and Carlin Contra di la Nite in Italy, the later taking its boulderized cue from 1972 Carzan of the Jungle. Um, various Titan ripoffs of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Tarzan stories, or bankrolled 60s, 70s. Uh, UK version will simply have been the French original shorn of the sex scenes. Um, yeah, so that's about it on this one. So, film 51. Once again, The Lustful Amazons, or Machis Against the Queen of the Amazons. Uh, let's see. Um, so yeah, uh, w- this is one of the ones that we did on location. This is uh, going to be on location uh, on at Kali's residence. Uh, her and I watched film 51 to 52, uh, Lustful Amazons and uh, Les Glutinis. And uh, so those two we are recorded there, so you'll hear them done at there. 
Uh, but if you want to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us at the Franco Observer at yahoo.com. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram under the Franco Observer Podcast. Uh, you can also uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, please um, download all the episodes. Please rate if you're able to. Please share. Please tell other friends about it. Uh, please help us uh, gain audience and uh, let your fellow Franco fans know about us. There's always new people learning about the show every day, which is awesome. And we are a worldwide show as we have listeners all over the world from Spain to Norway to Italy to um, Sweden to you know Canada, United States, all over the world. So it's amazing and awesome. Great Britain, Germany, everywhere. So many countries. I love it. So thank you guys for keep listening and thank you all for reaching out to us and uh, liking the posts on the different Facebook groups that I am on, which is uh, the El Franco Nomicon and the Jess Franco and Lena Romay appreciation page. I always post every Wednesday when the episodes are posted every morning to remind people and let them know and all that good stuff. So... All right, so uh, listen through. There's no trailer on this, so uh, we'll just do bumper music and then on to the review with Collie and I and uh, all that good stuff. Buenas noches. again to the Franco Observer Podcast on location in the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California, home of the doors. And uh, as the helicopter flies by, we bring you to episode 51, film 51, The Lustful Amazon, made in France, 1973. And since uh, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, is in Los Angeles, would mean one thing. I am here doing this podcast with my um, numerous time Zoom co-host, uh, now in person, in the flesh, in front of me, talking, Miss Kali Sini. Hello, hello. Hello, Kali. You're on a mic now. <laughs> Very nice. So, I uh, came down here to have some fun and... Uh, see some movies and uh go to some wrestling matches and that so i figured uh, we would do a couple episodes on the road and we just got done watching uh, the lustful amazon also known as machis contra i'm sorry machis contra le rerin del amazonis machis against the queen of the amazons which is the beautiful Alice Arno. So uh, I will give you a brief synopsis of the film, and we'll talk about what we saw. Synopsis. The adventurer Pygar tells the heroic and mighty Machiste of his recent encounter with a jungle tribe of man-hungry Amazonian women. He paints a picture of unlimited sex and mentions that a great treasure is hidden in the vicinity. Machis sets off to discover the pleasures and riches for himself 
unaware that Pygar has struck a deal with Queen Arminda to deliver Machise as a sex slave, whose virality, whose virality she will exploit to save her dying race. Machise finds himself forced into sexual servitude. Pygar is recaptured too, but he's set free by tribeswoman Marcia, Marcia, who has fallen in love with him, and the priestess Yuka, who's jealous because the queen desires Machiste. Together they set off to steal the treasure, but Marcia is killed by the queen's eunuch archers. Machiste, giving chase, must do battle with a strange werewolf creature who guards the treasure. Wow, I just learned more about the film from reading it than watching it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kali, what did you think of the film? Um, I love uh, all the ladies in their Amazon outfits and how um, cockthirsty they are. <laughs> yes, very much so. Who is the cockthirstiest, you think? Uh, Alice Arno. Um, uh, well, I mean, she was the one who wanted to destroy all men. Yeah. I mean, Lena did her share of... They all seemed pretty thirsty, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Montessori Prowse wasn't as thirsty, but uh, yeah, she was more like stabbed and gutted and shit and stuff. But, <laughs> but yeah, the rest that. of them, definitely, definitely. Yeah, they had her up against the wall with all the arrows and they're stabbing her and shit, you know. I mean, Kali Hansa gets it first. So. Yeah, right in the beginning um, and also in the vagina. Um, yeah, so <laughs> she is the first nudity at about three minutes we see... Um, when they go to the island, uh, Alice Arno has uh, Robert Woods kidnapped, and he forces her to have sex with Kali Hansa, which is a very nice introduction into a place. Here's Kali Hansa. You must have sex with her first before you are able to go on the island. You know. I think you said he forces her, but it's her. No, she forces yeah. him to have sex with yeah, Kali Alice, Alice Arno. Alice, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. be clear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Alice dictating who, who must have sex immediately. Like, that's how the movie's virtually starts is just instructions to to bone yeah the 32 women of the or 33 women of the onyx is yeah 32 others so there's like 34 <laughs> of them you know? yeah and yeah. we don't see all 34 women but we see a few and like i didn't know just reading that that the guard that the archers were eunuchs i didn't know that yeah yeah the, the guys the bows and arrows that was oh, that's pretty funny. crazy yeah so yeah um, as if one guy could take on 32 women in one i know session. and you wondered if like they're eunuchs because the women did it to them or <laughs> what i mean i'm curious that's kind of like i mean lena does you know you called her lena bobbitt at one point yeah there's a nice scene where she threatens to cut off was it robert woods or carson's yeah, dick Robert's yeah penis. yeah yeah and he's like that has nothing to do with what's going on <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is funny um, so yeah, I'm going to talk about first, um, as some things I've seen through like Alice Arno, I mean, we have the big necklaces again, um, with all the girls have the very cool big necklaces yeah. and we see the cool, you, uh, caught the cool, uh, I guess ballerinas slippers with the gold laces up or what are those called? Those type of shoes they wear with the uh, lacing up the front. Uh, I mean, the they're like, um, they remind me of, uh, gladiator. I think they're, okay. I think they're called gladiator sandals. Like where that there's right. the straps. Yeah. Going up the, that's, up I think the that's right. I think that is, is a correct yeah, term. Those are hot. Yeah. And then, those. and then that and, was in devil came from Azkavana, that famous shot of, uh, Soledad wearing those I showed you in yeah. that shot. And so I was like, okay, I've seen those before in a Franco film and I had to go back and think, and that was, you know, such a famous shot. Um, so yeah, we have Alice Arno is amazing in this. Actually, let's go through and talk some of that. So we have uh, Walt Davis as Machiste. Um, 
And you had remarked on his sideburns. You were a fan of they his. were they were intense. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure "fan" is the right word. More like in awe. <laughs> and what's more impressive, his sideburns or his O face? Um, ooh, uh, that's a that's a tie. Oh, I mean, those sideburns are pretty impressive. Like they're yeah. they're huge, chonking. Yeah, they're like double they're like sideburns. giant rectangles. <laughs> yeah, huge, thick rectangles. Like, you know, bigger than his dick. Like on his on his face. There, yeah. it's a lot happening. For, for bigger, than, bigger than the dick on his face. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know if that's what it, Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, the, the O face scenes were pretty, yeah, pretty when spectacular he was, as yeah. well. And then we have uh, Alice Arno, of course. And uh, I'd remarked to call you watching this uh, over the past few films. I'm becoming a big Alice Arno fan. Uh, she's pretty fucking amazing. She's like queen of all the films. She's so tough. So She is a goddess. Yeah, so sure. So virality and strength and evilness. She's just... And, she, and she's a very commanding presence. She can stand toe-to-toe with Lena and like toe the line with her and doesn't look weaker or anything. It's like... She it's looks cool. stronger to me. Oh yeah, especially in these earlier films. Completely. Yeah, she's, she's definitely a alpha, and you know, yeah. Lena's definitely beta. But uh, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so Lena's. Let's talk about Lena's torture scene, where Lena's torturing people. Yeah, yeah. Tell but, us about Lena's torture <laughs> techniques. Um, I, 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 <laughs> I mean, it's just so silly because you just you wouldn't want her to stop, you know. I mean, yeah. she, like no, like his eyes are are, are pleading, like what's going on? Well, but what, she's trying to kiss him and make out with him and, yeah. and and grab him and 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 fuck him, you know, and and uh, and and the woman as well. And they're like acting like no, no, it's terrible. And Lena's saying you like it. <laughs> grabbing them and, and it's so funny because Lena is you know the most beautiful woman ever and right. she's naked and well in this amazing uh, all of their outfits are so off the chain great yeah. I love Lena's conch shell necklace and like just all of the the, the great leather thong things that they yeah, have you, you were checking out their different leather thong bottoms and you talked about different varieties of the styles that some were wearing that you liked more than others and this and that yeah yeah as as you know, I do leather work, so I got all all tickled by that. But um, yeah, uh, but I mean, she's looking absolutely fierce in her outfit, and she's you know trying to make out with them, and they're acting like they're being attacked. And yeah, it's it's that's pretty great stuff. Yeah. And then we also see a, an early scene, uh, one of the early, maybe the second appearance, third appearance of Lena's magic tongue uh, mm-hmm. with Alice Arno, and I was like, "Yep, oh, there's Lena's magic tongue, Lena's magic tongue." So, yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny to be in person and seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> seeing us get excited about Lena's medic talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, there it is. My headphones pop off my head. Yeah, so that was like really funny. Um, Kali Hans on this, I really liked a lot. She doesn't wear as much makeup as she has in the last few films, but she does have more makeup than some of the other gals to a certain extent, but not gaudy or anything. But I always She's laugh. trying to rock that jungle look. Yeah, yeah. She's a little less made up because she's always, she always stands out because she always has like fully made up when she's coming out of the ocean or certain things. And we always laugh at that, like her hair and makeup's always perfect. It's like, come on, you know. But in this, she she definitely pulls really well. Um, and we have Montessori Prowse returns uh, into the fold after two or three film absence. And she comes in about halfway through, maybe three quarters through, uh, as um, Lucia or Lazia, daughter of the old sorceress. And uh, she doesn't have a lot to do in this. Um, she's kind of brought through and led and has a few dialogue scenes and is killed. So uh, I don't know. It's like, I don't know what part was that but I, I think she's just getting back in because she had dropped out like I said for the last two films and then she's back in here with this and uh, yeah she's okay in this and then rounding out of course Lena Romay 
and uh, we have uh, Chantel Barak as Marcia, and then uh, somebody guy named Robert Sarbib credited on screen, but not visible in any prints. Uh, this is a short film that says like 70 minutes or 61 minute UK running time, maybe 64 minutes. The version we watched is pretty damn close to that. Um, yeah, you know, uh, watching it, uh, it's like a jungle film. It starts off, uh, you kind of know that the guy comes in and tells him about the treasure and the jewels. And we had talked about the hidden jewels at the end, which is a familiar plot device Franco uses for either diamonds or what. And this is like jewels, Yeah, there's always diamonds. Yeah, diamonds. Franco's always got people hunting for diamonds, especially yeah. in the jungle. Yeah, jungle or like a prison thing. They use the diamonds, like they smuggle diamonds and somebody's hiding them somewhere and they got to figure out, you know. Yeah, I think there's always diamonds to be found. In, yeah, yeah. In Franco films, that's kind of a metaphor. Yeah, exactly. A little diamond in the rough, you know. So, but uh, yeah, so we have this, and we have them going to the island, and uh, basically, um, you know, a lot of it, like it's really cool reading these. Uh, of course, uh, a murderous passions, the delirious cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume One, by Mister Stephen Thrower. Uh, yeah, it's like these books help too because. Uh, at the synopsis, you kind of learn, like, oh, I didn't know this was going on or that was going on, because sometimes Franco's not the most um, logical or coherent storyteller, I think. You kind of, <laughs> especially if we're not paying 100% attention to certain things, we maybe miss a, a line of dialogue or something, and it kind of throws off a few minutes at that point. So his things, and even if you're staying paying attention to it, you'll still not catch certain things. I don't know. I don't know if it's the way it's written or if there's things left out or, or what, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I want to know, actually, I, I'm kind of interested in that. Like, um, <laughs> this is goofy, but once I was in a book club and I remember there was like, we went to a, a book club and none of us had read the book and we ended up like my, it was funny. My friend was like, we should talk about that. Like, why did none of us read this book? And it was kind of just this, like, it was kind of an interesting thing for her to say and for us to think about, but it was like, this is the second time I've, I've watched this and my attention kept slipping. And I was wondering, is it because you're here? I mean, right. of course that's a big factor right, right. that, you know, we, we get to hang out and talk, yeah, yeah. but it's also that there's something about the film that like, it's, it's, it's kind of like this weird, long drawn out dream that like, it's, it's sort of like paying attention to a dream almost is kind of, yeah. I think I, I kind of had that vibe to it a little bit like it's so yeah because you want to look at it and, and study and stuff but a lot happens but a lot doesn't happen so it's like it's weird it's like the parts you don't think you want to pay attention to you lose story aspects and the parts that you think you have to pay attention to doesn't really show you anything or move the story along you know yeah just the visuals like lean with the fire and, and it's all beautiful to... it's oh, yeah, all yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. it's like a beautiful dream it's not that you want to look aware you don't want to pay attention but there's something about like the the ethereal quality to it of just like this, the kind of dreamlike, uh, uh, surreal, I don't know. Uh, just there was like, like, I mean, there's that part where we re- re- rewound it to check that we'd both, cause when we, no, thought, we thought Alice, that got we shot, thought Alice yeah. had gotten shot, but it was a different girl. Yeah. And, um, and when we did that and I looked at it, was watching it again. It was like, I felt like part of the, what we were watching, I hadn't, paying attention to in the first place and i was like oh i just watched that how did i but i feel like i'm seeing it for the first time and yeah like like the person's body changed or something We're like oh that's alice's boobs no it's not that's the other woman's was like how do we see that it was weird it was like it changed films or yeah. something or footage you know and just the scenes in the jungle as well it was like oh i didn't catch that part where karzan was crawling through or whatever it was yeah, just yeah, like yeah. moments or like and it's, it's interesting that certain certain franco films i'm 
can't look away from and then other ones are kind of like a, a dream yeah where you kind of just have to pay attention to it or, or if or maybe he doesn't hold things for a certain amount of time so our brain doesn't register it or something like to move certain things along it's too quick or I don't know something but it's it's definitely uh, but also too some of it like this is a quick production so a lot of the care into certain things maybe doesn't the logic or the cohesiveness of it isn't as solid you know that yeah how many sense. days did this film take yeah good call make? so let's see this is um uh this is pretty quick um give me one second so it says basically he started this in the summer of 73 the glorious and, year of my birth yes and uh <laughs> Let's see. What's this? Is cast and crew. Okay. Huh. This is see. There were so many great films made in 1973. Yes. Yes. Many. Uh, including Exorcist is November, December 73. Ganjan Hess came out in 73. Um, let's see what else came out in 73. There's tons. Don't, yeah, don't yeah, even yeah, get yeah, started. Yeah. It's like a rabbit hole. <laughs> but no, also too, like I was talking about, not to jump on subjects, but since we're talking about years, um, I'm I'm really stuck on 1981, like for films, was just in general. Year. Yeah, I was like looking at so much stuff, so much stuff on my shelf. I'm like 81, 81, 81, 81, 81. You know, and 82 to a certain extent, but yeah, 81 is just like so fucking strong. You know, and that mm. was when I was seeing stuff. You know, everything from Nighthawks to Conan, to fucking whatever. You know, it's just so much amazing stuff. But anyway, so yeah, uh, this I don't know. Um, let me see when he shot this. This was shot. It says, oh, here we go. Shooting, June of 73 is all it says. So I would guess probably two weeks, three weeks. It says basically June 73, he embarked on a three-month stint of shooting on the island of Madeira, beginning with a brace of adventure films, Machis Contra de los Amazons, and the next one, Esplastin, Yarate de Machis, Dalantia. So yeah, basically uh, three months, two films, so probably a month apiece. I, I mean, guess. yeah, it's always hard to like pin it down, I guess, because he's always doing films concurrently. So, you know, he could be doing a couple other films at the same time. Yeah, here it says, uh, the two films are among Franco's daftest and most delirious efforts and will guarantee you a black eye if you recommend them to outsiders. But for Franco obsessives who enjoy tracking the spore of his mad creativity wherever it may lead, they're both rather wonderful. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it's cool. So basically, um, Machiste is I think like a Hercules like they did the Machiste films in Italy M-A-C-I-S-T-E Machiste and so like here it says by the time Franco essayed this bizarre Machiste film in the summer of 73 the Muscleman epic or peplum had been out of fashion for nearly a decade so that's how like this we have a strong Tarzan who we thought was more like Tarzan he's the Italian muscle man. Yeah, he's hilarious. Bravissimo type of guy. And, and yeah, he's the the stud. And he fucks all these women. His fights are hilarious. Yeah. He, he oh, yeah. Piles of women in his wig. But yeah, like Machiste, they had like Machiste and Hercules and Machiste and uh, I think who else they have. Uh, Goliath and some of those Samson and stuff. And I have seen Machismo. some of those. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bava did the Machiste and the Hercules and the, what was it, Christopher Lee and stuff or the Hades and all that stuff. And so, yeah. But it's funny, like this, it's interesting that he decided to do these um, uh, jungle type of movies. We were talking about the year, because you asked me what year this came out. We said 73, and we're trying to figure out what made him decide to go into this direction at that time, if it was something that he, you know. Um, yeah, was there a release recently of Tarzan or something was my 
query. Holy snazzle. This is really, really interesting. So, um, looking ahead as we're talking. Okay, the guy who played Machis, Walt Davis. Walt Davis, real name of Aldermer Wolhafart, was a playboy from Stuttgart whose first claim to fame of a sort came at the end of 1960s when he was accused of being a mass murderer. Whoa. The Highway Serial Killer, or Highway Vampire, by the West German tabloids. The Highway Vampire. That is the coolest serial killer name ever. I he mean, was caught by Spanish police officers in Alicante, Spain, but during his trial was cleared of all suspicion and received 50,000 Deutschmarks compensation from the press. However, he was subsequently rearrested on a charge of being a pimp and this time <laughs> found himself in jail for a couple of months. Upon his release in 1970 and with the remaining compensation money, he starred in a film production company and produced The Horrible Sexy Vampire, one of my favorite fucking titles. Oh, my God. I talked about that on another episode, The Horrible Sexy Vampire. Those are two words that never go together, horrible and sexy. Like, you know, oh, I had a horrible sexy vampire. That is day. all so rich. I can't believe it. And vampire, too. That's interesting. The highway vampire. And he's yeah. a horrible sexy vampire. Um, he was a horrible sexy vampire. With uh, okay, uh, he started a film production company and produced a horrible, sexy vampire with his fiancee, actress Ada Tolur. Oh yeah, uh, Wolf Hart took the starring role as the va- uh, Wolf Hart took the starring role as the Howie Vampire, a certain Count Oblinsky, and the film was partially shot at the actual location in Germany where the killings took place. Wow. Thanks to you, Huber, for telling me this fascinating story. Three years later, both he and Adia Turner wound up in the orbit of Jess Franco. Wolfhart appeared in the director's back-to-back breaks of Machis films, and both he and Tolura took roles in the next Franco film, The Other Side of the Mirror. Uh, the two of them also popped up four years later in the women in prison film Love Camp. So yeah, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's fucking cool. So yeah. Learn about that. Um, yeah, so that, that's pretty fucking awesome. Um, yeah, that's where he used that vampire thing to his own like deal to capitalize on that make a movie and yeah it's at the location the where the killings took place and you'd stuff. think he'd want to distance himself from yeah. that instead he just embraces it goes with it yeah and plays the thing and the <laughs> claim to fame yeah so i was watching oh, i wonder if they ever caught the real vampire i know it doesn't say that was him actually that might be a really interesting thing to research and look up yeah because that's something you know serial killer blah 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 and stuff but american stuff but yeah this is interesting the 60s Highway serial killer or highway vampire. We'll have to do that at the break, and then we'll know it for the next. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's pretty fucking goddamn cool. <laughs> um, so, location shot in some bushes on the island of Madeira. Due to the absence of recognizable architecture, landmarks, or coastline, it's impossible to be more precise. Speaking of coastlines and stuff, let's go ahead and hit the list. Franco list number one: body of water. Mm. I don't know if I even see water in this. We see the island when they're on it, but we don't see them getting to the island or on a ship or no, anything like I that. Mean, yeah, at the beginning they're in that bar. Bar and, and then on the island. And then it's just yeah. immediately they're in the jungle. So without no body of water, we have no sailboat or no boats. Number four, uh, palm trees. Yes, uh, plenty of palm trees. And number five, jungle sound effects. Rich in jungle sound effects. And number six, chained up person. Yes, many chained up people. Uh, number seven, dance scenes on stage, stripping, no. Club scenes, dancing, no. Number nine, jazz music, no. We talked about that. But xylophone at the end and <laughs> and bongos and... Tons of congos. Congos, yeah, there you go. Congos nonstop. <laughs> yeah. 
Lots and lots of Congos. Most definitely. A little baby xylophone at the end. Uh, excessive zooms. Let's see. I didn't really see a lot of excessive zooms, but I did see some out-of-focus shots, but not too bad. Yeah, no, no zooms. No, no, he didn't well, do a lot I of mean, z- like he did... You know, focus on the um, the uh, women's genital area yeah. several times, but uh, there wasn't like no. the, the zooming. Yeah, in, in and out, in and out, and across the way, and real. Yeah. You know, yeah, he wasn't really excessive with it. Too bad. Yeah, so it's just like there it is. Yeah, <laughs> and number twelve mirror shots. Well, they didn't have any mirrors on the island, so there'd be no mirror shots. Thirteen mind control theme. Uh, traditionally, no, but they are all under the rule of the queen, and she has them as her ruling, and they follow under her. So I guess it's a version yeah, of mind a control. Yeah, because it's not like patriarchy. Yeah, they're not but, like yeah. zombies or not, but they do all follow her yeah. and control her. So. Uh, They're just man. under the spell of Alice. Yeah, aren't we all? Uh, <laughs> number fi- no, but number fourteen, magic tongue scenes. Yes, magic tongue scenes are in this. Just one that I remember. Oh, actually, well, one we see her and Alice, and then uh, Lena uses her magic tongue to pull information out of people, which is a nice thing. It's nice when you can use a tongue to pull things out of people. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. Uh, number 15, red light. No red lights. Uh, 16, sheepskin. No sheepskins. No masturbation with a letter C item. Uh, 17, mad scientist. No. 18, fish tank shots. No. 19, talking parrot. Talking animals of any kind. No. Uh, 20, in credits. Yes, there is F-I-N. Finn. Uh, Finn. N- Finn. Number 21, handwritten notes or signs. Not on this mm-hmm. one that I noticed. No. Uh, nothing on the huts or anything going in or any in the inside yeah, location. Yeah, I not give any. Uh, 22, spiral staircase. No spiral staircases. 23, inept cops. No inept cops in this. Um, and number four, belly chains. No belly chains, but Machise had a cool gold belly belt. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, Actually, it's funny. I was thinking about um, those uh, gladiator sandals yeah. when I was when we were talking. Uh, I was thinking about the belly chains. I mean, we were talking about the sandals because it's just kind of that strap. It's similar. Thing. Yeah, just that slight naked, gold. Like, yeah. Have a naked woman, but have a, like, a little something so that it That's very true. Saucy. Yeah, no, that is true. Those, those gladiator sandals are like that because they give that same little crisscross, that thin type of material against the skin, you know. And so, yeah, yeah that definitely shows that through. So that's aesthetic. But, um, so yeah, I mean, like we talked about this, like I was asking your thoughts on this and you had talked about how it's, you, know, you kind of pay attention, you don't pay attention to this and that and stuff. Um, what's, uh, what in this film stood out to you? What was the thing that really, if you were saying, okay, this is like the coolest thing in the film, what is to you the coolest thing in this film? Hmm. Um, I yeah I, I guess actually I, I the first thing that comes to mind is just when Karzan has his big fight with her. Um, oh, with and Alice and the, when she has the knife. That yeah, scene? yeah, and he's yeah. like leaping over her and yeah, they, they really cool tumble scene. for it. And then how it ends with the orgy. And I mean, it you know it just shows that she submits to him like that. Like she she's just beating on him and beating on him and beating on him. And finally, she just falls to her knees in like submission because you know he is now her master or whatever and so he lifts her up and then he's you know bones her and then apparently like the, we cut to there's all these women just you know in a pile oh, on the yeah, ground yeah, yeah. like as though all. he'd just done them all and he's naked and he does the freaking Tarzan yeah, stomping his on his chest yeah, yeah. like yeah like he just left all what, what was it that you said left a bunch of sore pussies in his wake there you go yeah and so yeah that that was probably my favorite scene <laughs> mine would be the sudden un 
announced appearance of the werewolf man in the cave. Oh, yeah. yeah that was <laughs> All pretty of a sudden, you just see a furry face out of nowhere. It just pops up. It's like, whoa, werewolf man. What the fuck? You know, it's like special guest appearance by, you know, it's like this cool monster that comes out of nowhere. And we had re- talked about uh, two undercover angels. They had the werewolf-faced man in that. Yeah, it's the same and, exact yeah, face. So it's the same yeah. type of deal. I mean, they did say that there was going to be a creature. Um, right. So it was, I got, yeah. But was, also, too, was I was wondering guy. if that was like a legend or just to scare people from going in there or what. Like, it was a if, if thing. Yeah, he was a shirt the whole thing. Yeah. And then you see it, and you're like, okay, cool, this is a payoff. But unfortunately, that cave is so dark, we don't get to see a lot of the fight. And you're like, oh, what's going on? I'm like, oh, they're choking each other, and you really couldn't see yeah, what's going on anything. as much. It yeah. Was, that was pretty bad, to be yeah. honest. Like, they should have done that a little I better. I know. It was like a good Come on, Jess. He's like, oh, here's going to happen. They're just like, oh, fuck, you know. And it's a good yeah. scene. Like, they're fighting and they're pulling the, the, the jewels out of the cave and shit's going. And you see it back and forth. I mean, he and he tries stuff, to edit it well, but yeah. just the actual scene of the werewolf versus yeah, Karzan. The lighting is, pretty, of it is not very good. Pretty lame. Or yeah. was it Robert Woods versus Karzan? Uh, Robert, I mean, Woods, Robert Woods versus uh, what do you no, call it? No, it was Carzan because because uh, Robert Woods yeah, was helping was... Lena pull the jewels up, and Carzan was fighting. Okay, the, yeah, the yeah. Guy. I was yeah. Just trying to make sure I got it straight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Robert Woods' character Pygar takes his name from John Philip Law's character in Barbarella, nineteen sixty-eight. Uh, Pygar and Yuka, the Amazon floozy played by Lena Romay, try to steal floozy. the tribe's treasure, only to be skewered by Queen Arminda, played by Alice Arno, wielding a bow and arrow, echoing her role as Countess Zaroff in Countess Perverse. Somewhere in the depths of the forest and the comforting darkness of the surviving video transfer, Machise is attacked by a werewolf, as we just said. <laughs> Somewhere in the depths of forest and darkness of surviving video transfer. Yeah, we couldn't see shit. Um, he's attacked by the werewolf, and yes, that's right, a werewolf. Uh, Machise, uh, could it be Candy, the same actor who turns up unexpectedly in Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein? Oh, that's right, there is a werewolf in that, but he's very small. I don't think it's the same guy. Uh, let me think on this. Other versions. I'm currently unaware of any significant variants. The Italian version is likely to be the same original French theatrical. Uh, Machis contra le Reni de Amazon survives today thanks to a couple of blurry VHS releases from the 80s, which we watched, appearing on video shows as Yucca in France and Carson in Italy, the latter taking its boulderized cue from uh, Carzan. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Uh, UK version has been the original short of the sexy scenes. Well, we've seen the sexy scenes. Um, so, yeah. Um, I don't know. Not really too much to say on this. It's very light, very throwaway. Uh, it's pulp. It's jungle adventure. Uh, similar to a lot of the 70s, 80s jungle films. I guess he did later on and other people did. Like um, uh, Treasure of the Lost Gold. That... Uh, um, Laura Gemser's in or uh, a lot of those films like that you know so there's some good stuff uh, but yeah you know I mean I don't know um, like he had said it's not really something you can recommend to non-Franco fans but us Franco fans find a lot to enjoy especially as we enjoy certain actors and certain people to see the continuity and oh here's Robert Woods again and here's this person that person and, and Alice and everybody so and does Alice and Kali and uh, Lena all getting it on and, and just yeah. you know it's just it's just a fun little like, yeah like the scene where Robert you know. Robert Woods is fucking Kali and then like Alice Arnold's behind him hitting him like whipping him yeah, over that's the, yeah just like that's so fucking awesome wild. That'd be my, yeah. my favorite and scenes. Lena watching is, is great oh, yeah, too. we got to mention the part where she yeah. yeah she's in that amazing outfit in, in the hammock and she looks like I was saying she looked like a 
um, uh, Princess Leia when she oh, yeah. was with Jabba the Hutt, yeah, like yeah, kind of that Leia. like slave child vibe or whatever. It was, she's just like presiding, looking hot. I don't know. I just I loved that. Like Lena looks fire smiling, in this. Like yeah, Lena is like you know Lena's in her prime here. Yeah, it's like her third or fourth film by yeah. now, and she's getting her feet. There's wet. a lot of great. Ad- oh, there is kind of a zoom shot of uh, when we're talking about the zooming shots um, of her ass, like when they. Oh when yeah, yeah. When she's, in. when she's praying to the fire. And he yeah, and he's like kind of going shot. in and out yeah. on her. On her butt like yeah. through the leaves and that's a, true good call of, yeah yeah that's a nice one because <laughs> we even noticed that we're like oh he's going to use that shot a lot more in the future with lena you know the back behind the clam shot yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i mean yeah you know it's it is for franco completionists but at the same time it's like if you like franco then it's a it's definitely not one to skip it's no, a fun one no not definitely yeah yeah especially you know you start getting to the 90s films there's another story there's nothing but not to like things. about it that's true yeah 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 <laughs> So and um, it's cool. We should mention how the um, the woman gets shot in the back with the arrow, just like in yeah, the last movie. Totally, yeah. The the, the eunuch archers uh, when they take the treasure and start fleeing from the island, uh, they start getting hit with the arrows, and the one gal gets hit with the arrow in the back, just like uh, um, Alice Arno did in Countess uh, um, Perverse. Countess Perverse, yeah, 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 which was just the last film. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's, that's kind of funny. Oh, also too. Um, so we have on here set photographer Mario Lippert, which is. Um, Howard Vernon's alias and Howard Vernon's not in here which is interesting because yeah. uh, last film he was in Countess Perverse so he must just came over from that and just did in stuff and he doesn't feature into there it's strange that they still did the alias when he actually was like the, you know because the, the point is to make it look like there was a bigger budget yeah. that there was more people working than you know where Howard Vernon is the actor and then he's got Mario Lippert as his alias but if he's not an actor then why not just call him Howard Vernon in the, well, in the camera because he never took credit as a photographer yeah so that, yeah because yeah I'm looking at the credits here and here it says uh 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 blah, 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 blah. Still photographer Howard Vernon as Mario Lippert. So, yeah, yeah, so that's funny. Yeah, no, I, I know you're saying it's like, why don't you just say Howard Vernon? But I don't know if it had to do with maybe um, SAG or something, or maybe a right. So maybe he oh. had to take another alias so it doesn't go count against him, maybe. Or I don't know, maybe it was something with the unions or, I mean, who knows, you know, why yeah. he didn't do it, but it might have to be some money thing or whatever. And, and you know, I don't know. I'm sure he's happy just to be taking pictures Franco's of Franco's continuity, just pretending that Mario's a real dude. Yeah, exactly. You know, great Mario Lippert, you know. Yeah. And let me look and see, uh, as we venture forward to the next film, uh, we have Howard Vernon is in it. And Howard Vernon is Mario Lippert as well in the next film. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's probably why that there's our answer. So he's going to be in one of the two. Yeah. carried over to the two, so. And also he plays... The smarty pants might figure that out if they didn't... Yeah, I didn't have this book. But also Caligastro, he plays again in this. The magician Caligastro, as he did in Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein with the beard, the bird woman. Oh. He's Caligastro in that. So he's, I see he's Caligastro in this. So, all right. So I'm looking forward to that. And that'll be episode 52 coming up the week after this. So, all right. Well, uh, I think we're at our usual 30-something minutes uh, on the discussion of the film so um anything you want to talk about in closing on the film before we venture on to the next one no i think we, you know wrapped it all up in a yep. nice bow yeah good all right gave my ode to lena so. yeah 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 <laughs> we had all our points that we want to talk about our, our notes and everything so all right well uh once again i hope you enjoyed listening to us on episode 51 of the franco observer podcast if you want to reach us, send us an email. You can at francoobserver at yahoo.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under the Franco Observer. 
uh, you know how to spell that. And also, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate, please share, please leave a good review, all that stuff. And like the old Alpha Beta commercials, tell a friend. So please do that and let us be good. Buenas noches. Mm-hmm.